currently in effect. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Paul Zimmerman. On today's program, we will look at uh, construction projects gone wrong and the repercussions. A leading construction company in Hong Kong has been fined 40000 for cutting corners while building the Sha Tin to Central Railing in 2018. Latent contractors pleaded guilty in court on Tuesday to violating the building's ordinance after authorities found that components related to some reinforced concrete slabs used at the Hong Hum MTR station deviated from government-approved plans. But neither Leighton nor other parties involved in the project have been reprimanded so far for other issues that came to light during an independent inquiry into the scandal such as unauthorized changes to the designs for diaphragm walls, substandard platform works and missing inspection documents. Now this comes as the quality of construction of a University of Hong Kong dormitory has also come under spotlight after holes were found in its concrete walls and pillars. So what do you think? How should the companies be held accountable for construction errors? And in the case of Leighton, does the punishment fit the crime? Is $40,000 enough of a deterrent? After 9.45, we'll find out more about the new age-counting law in South Korea. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line roundtable lawmaker Michael Tien and a chartered building surveyor Raymond Chan. We'll uh, also be joined later on in the program by veteran senior engineer Albert Lai. Good morning, Mr. Tien. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, Mr. Tien, what was your first reaction when you heard about the uh, $40,000 fine? Uh, my jaws dropped. <laughs> uh, basically, it's, I'm back. I've been thinking about a scenario, you know, I, um, I went to the steakhouse to order a steak. I waited for an hour. Keep waiting for the kitchen. You give me a steak, and then an hour later, you, you, yeah, they uh, came up with a salad. So I said, "Where's my steak?" Mm. And nobody answers me. It's it's kind of my feeling right now, right? Ever since the 2018 uh, uh, scandal, uh, I expect there's a lot of follow-up in terms of prosecution, both in terms of uh, uh, changing specs that have not been approved, falsifying documents, cutting corners. You name it, they've got it. Uh, although there's an independent uh, inquiry into the thing, and they deem the station being saved, uh, safe, even though uh, they use a lot less material uh, than was originally required. Uh, but then, uh, ironically, MPR put in another two, uh, uh, two, two billion. Yeah. Two billion to reinforce the station, so obviously it's not really 100% safe, but maybe 99%. With all that, waited, uh, having waited for all these years, the case we heard is about 131 square meters somewhere that I've never even heard of, and maximum fine was a million, and the judge uh, handed down uh, 40,000. So there are a couple of questions. First of all, our current uh, ordinance stipulates that in public works if you uh, evade from uh, the specs and you build something that's not according to specs, 
the maximum fine is a million. That's uh, that that's that's kind of uh, a joke. So, but that's something the government needs to come back to that rule to amend. But the more important thing is, I think government needs to appeal because the reason that the judge used in handing down that uh, verdict is that uh, the area is small. Uh, even though they did not follow this fact, it was deemed safe and that there was no injury or loss of life. It's kind of, then you can use that to apply to a whole Hong Kong station, right? So if that's the case, I worry that if they eventually come back with the stake, if they eventually bring the stake out and it's a, the, the more critical uh, issue uh, of the station itself with a diaphragm wall, and with a few thousand uh, uh, connectors being shorted, uh, would the judge also say, well, you know, it's deemed safe and, uh, you know, structurally it's, it's no problem. There's been no loss of life. So, you know, they also, you know, hand down another $40,000 fine with regard to the home station diaphragm wall. Well, that's what I worried about. So then I basically uh, said in, uh, <clears throat> on, on the air, that I expect government, I urge government to appeal. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to hear that, uh, that the recent statement was that they're considering that. All right. Okay. Let's go to Mr. Chan. Mr. Chan, so did your jaws drop, I mean, when you heard about this uh, this fine? I mean, after all, like um, what Mr. Tian said, uh, this uh, construction scandal, it caused an extra $2 billion in uh, extra costs for the project, and uh, there was a delay. Mr. Chan? Yeah. Yes. Did your jaws drop, Mr. Chen? Are you, are you upset by uh, by the the, uh, the small fine that was issued here? Uh, obviously, uh, I totally agree with uh, what Michael has mentioned. Uh, that is uh, uh, really causing a lot of damages, and also uh, I really query on the uh, integrity uh, of the company uh, because. Um, they seem to be really uh, omitting uh, the basic uh, professional uh, that they have to upkeep in doing their work. Okay. And, uh, but how about the MTR? I mean, are you upset with the MTR about failing to kind of manage the project? I mean, uh, the li- in terms of liabilities? I mean, are they with Leighton or MTR? I mean, who's liable for this $2 billion and this and this massive delay? I, I feel uh, primarily it is uh, the contractor. Of course, the MTR as uh, the employer and the supervisor has its duty, but uh, the majority of the duty will be the contractor. Uh, I think if the contractor, they have uh, maybe difficulties in carrying out work uh, in, accordance, in strict accordance with the approved plans, uh, it seems to be the case because uh, they have uh, done a lot of things that they, they cut the uh, reinforcement. Th- that is not easy to, to cut a, a reinforcement bar uh, in confined area. Uh, and uh, they do a lot of work because uh, maybe they find difficult. But I just wonder about the, you know, the MTR is, uh, is monitoring the contractor. I mean, uh, if uh, there is, uh, you know, th- th- this court case now suggests that there is not enough evidence to go after the, the, the all the damages, everything that has gone wrong, we go for a minor aspect. That sounds, that looks to me like there is not enough evidence available. Is, is, is that poor project management by the MTR then? Uh, I, would say, I would say so. Uh, they should have uh, much uh, 
closer liaison with the contractor and see uh, exactly what they are doing on site and keep proper records. It seems that a lot of those records are missing, and uh, that is totally unacceptable. All right, so let's go back to Mr. Tian. I know you need to uh, rush off very soon. So um, just uh, maybe maybe one final question before you go. Um, earlier you said you think the government should appeal, and uh, right now the Buildings Department and the Department of uh, Justice are studying the sentence and uh, considering whether the, to file an appeal. Um, if they don't listen to your suggestion and they don't appeal, um, what, what sort of message will this uh, send, do you think, um, to, to the public and uh, to maybe a future contractors for, for large government projects? Well, this is far from finished because I'm sure Lesher will be discussing this. I've already written to the uh, chairman of the uh, Railway Subcommittee uh, asking for a session on this, uh, there'll be a lot of legis other legislators probably also putting pressure on government to uh, go further, uh, including all parties uh, that are involved, maybe not just Layton, it could be MTR, could be anyone uh, that uh, took part uh, in this whole thing, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And the latest I heard, I heard, all right, I specified that. I got into trouble with the government because I said I heard something hmm. and they were accusing me of, uh, uh, you know, uh, ill intention and... Uh, Irresponsible remarks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want, to, I want to preface what I'm saying with I heard. Yeah, you better do that. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise the government spokesperson will again give you a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I find it surprising. I mean, it is almost every day occurrence that a legislator would ask government, hey, I've heard something like this. Is it true? Can you confirm? All right, so I've got to be careful next time when I uh, make statements to government based on what I heard. Mm. Anyway, uh, but then it's in the media anyway, is that the police are going after uh, some people uh, on criminal charges. Okay, so definitely this is just the beginning. So I think what's going to unfold uh, in the next couple of months uh, will be exactly what I uh, had hoped for, which is that this is a very small test case for them to kickstart probably a whole series of uh, prosecutions, maybe against company, maybe against people, either monetary or criminal offences and all that. So, you know... But, but, should, but should the government don't be clear about that to the public and to everybody to say this is our strategy, this know. is a I test case? Don't know. Don't I, I don't know enough about the judicial process whether the government intends to uh, go after someone and, and, and prosecute whether they should announce it. So I better not say anything in that. Otherwise you're going to get another slap in the wrist, uh, Michael. Yeah, I'm obstructing justice. How do I know? I'm not a lawyer. All right, uh, Mr. Tian, many thanks again for joining us this morning. That's our roundtable lawmaker, Michael Tian. Um, now let's uh, go back to Mr. Chan. Mr. Chan? Yes. So, so what impact do you think uh, this uh, sentence will have on future government infrastructure projects? Uh, I think if uh, everybody follows this, uh, we'll be in a mess in, in the construction industry because uh, uh, convicting uh, so serious uh, 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 thought uh, is just leading to such uh, very 
minor fine. Uh, I think uh, if it is the case across the board, then uh, it, it will be uh, leading to some disaster in our in our industry. All right. Uh, also joining us now is veteran senior engineer Albert Lai. Good morning, Mr. Lai. Mr. Lai? Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so we just heard uh, earlier that uh, from uh, Mr. Tian, Michael Tian, and also Mr. Chan, uh, that uh, the uh, $40,000 fine is uh, too lenient. What's, what's your view of the sentence? Well, I concur with uh, Raymond's uh, point of view that, uh, you know, such a fine, you know, will set a very bad precedent, you know, for the entire industry. So um, uh, in terms of... Uh, uh, punishment, you know, for, for bad behavior, that certainly uh, is not enough. Um, and, and, and the industry may, may feel that, you know, other contractors may feel that, you know, if they can get away with this, you know, why don't, why, why not I? In fact, they will see that this is a, bad behavior is very good investment because, uh, uh, you know, the return will be huge and that uh, the punishment will be tiny. Um, now, but I would like to go beyond this point. Um, because the whole saga uh, for these uh, mega projects, uh, especially related to MTRC, um, is that uh, the focus uh, cannot be solely on the contractors. The focus has to be on MTRC itself and the government as well. Now, because we know there's a structural issue, a structural issue of, um, uh, of, of role conflict, uh, in the government itself, because they, they, they basically the majority own NTRC and also they have board members there, uh, and yet they also play a supervisory role. So uh, if that sort of conflict is not resolved, I'm afraid that we'll be seeing more and more uh, a saga like this. But, but this, the client is the MTR slash government. I mean, is there is there a gap in that relationship that, that makes them a poor manager? Well, now technically, the, obviously, the, the, the uh, con- contract is between the MTRC and the contractor. Now, but then there is also an agreement uh, between the government and MTRC, basically the government licensed MTRC, you know, to do the projects and so on. Now, uh, but if you look at, you, you look at the whole uh, government structure, um, MTRC is 70% owned by the government. Um, so when the government tries to impose its, uh, you know, supervision on, on NTRC, basically uh, it's one department imposing a supervision on another department, technically. So it's very difficult to do it properly, right? I mean, we have seen time and time again, not just in Hong Kong, but over, in overseas uh, projects as well, that in cases like these, uh, you can be sure, you know, the supervision will be uh, quite poorly managed uh, and therefore, um, you know, cause delays and technical uh, oversight, uh, clinical problems and so on. I mean, <laughs> actually it's happening, you know, time and time again. But who's primarily responsible for oversight of Leighton? Well, firstly, well, there are two, two levels of oversight, obviously. One is the MTRC. And the second level is, is the government. I mean, because the highways department and so on, they have, they have responsibility to make sure that the management structure in MTRC is adequate. Now, 
I think the government has actually gone through a lot of uh, investigation. In fact, uh, I think that the reports that have come up from those commissions of inquiries have shown that, you know, those supervisions are inadequate. And we haven't seen concrete action by the government to tackle those problems. So, uh, uh, and so uh, that's, that would be our biggest worry. So, so the issue here is that the MTR is building the project for the government, is it, in terms of the, the funding arrangement? The funding, um, uh, 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 this, the loss of money in case of delays and so on is on government, not on the MTR, is it? Yeah, the gov- well, basically the MTRC is the project manager for the government. Yeah. You know, they, they, they get the money from, from government and they manage the project. Uh, and by, by managing the project, you know, they engage Leighton as a contractor. Right. So, um, but, but the financial risk is on government. The financial risk is on government. The financial is on government, yeah. Okay, that is another thing that is related to the financial arrangement. As you know, there, there are two different types of uh, mm-hmm. arrangements that can be handled, but the government choose this type so that basically the financial risk goes back to the government. Um, but even so, even so, you know, there are, there are provisions in the, con- in, the, in the agreement between the government and the, uh, and, and the RC, you know, that the government can impose a much stricter uh, 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 causes on MPLC, you know, so that they get, you know, they get more penalties and so on. Now, but the the problem is that uh, uh, MPLC is really part of the government. I mean, let's face it, seventy percent owned by the government. So would it be able to impose very harsh penalties on its own? I mean, that's a big question. So, so Raymond, is, is this is this an indication that we're not managing these uh, projects correctly? That the liabilities and responsibilities are wrongly aligned between government and the MTR? Um, I think there should be uh, stricter terms. Uh, it seems that um, the government have uh, too much trust on the MTRC. Uh, maybe uh, one of the reasons they have a good record, uh, and also maybe they are also uh, majority owned by the government itself. But uh, I think uh, we should have a stricter term between them uh, for penalty delays and uh, uh, the failure in performing their duty. And also, uh, maybe we have to impose the uh, some independent checker or auditor on their work. Um, they, it seems that the MTR is quite a uh, close kingdom by itself. It decides work, uh, carry out its work, supervise the work, and uh, basically do all the most of the uh, testing and commissioning. And uh, maybe we need uh, more uh, activity involved. We, we don't rely on those uh, building depa- buildings department, those uh, government departments, they have a lot of other work to, to, to do. And uh, maybe we have uh, auditing uh, or, super, uh, or third party supervising uh, system. Uh, maybe it is uh, the best way to do it. So Michael Chen says that there's a $2 billion is lost on, on, on and, and damages of, of these failures. So who's paying for the $2 billion? Is that government or is it the MTR? Uh, 
it, it seems that uh, finally the government put the bill. And uh, uh, I just learned from the news that uh, uh, the NTRC also uh, uh, have some, uh, out of their po- own pocket, they also uh, have some penalty or some, or some damages on, on this. Uh, but I don't know the exact figure or the allocation. Basically, government spends uh, $2 billion more. So, Albert, isn't that the way to promulise? I mean, the $2 billion is on the account of government, but the MTR was responsible for management. So they were management responsibility without financial liability. I mean, isn't it just simply that there a gap? it's a gap? I mean, if you have managed, charge or manage a project, yeah, but you true. don't suffer the losses, then, uh, then you don't have to do a good management. You're not under pressure to do good <laughs> well, management. you're perfectly right. You're per- perfectly right. There's a misalignment between uh, responsibilities and benefits. Um, and, and we all know that at the end of the day, I mean, whether it's NTRC footing the bill or government footing the bill, it's actually Hong Kong people footing the bill, you know, either as taxpayers or as, uh, uh, as consumers, you know, of NTRC service. So um, uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, I think society as a whole needs to find a better governance system to make sure that, you know, this, the roles and responsibilities are properly aligned uh, and that... Um, uh, government officials do need to take responsibility ultimately because, you know, they own MT, majority own MTRC. Um, so they can't, you know, you know, you know, they have to accept that, you know, the, you know, the performance or the failure of MTRC is equivalent to the performance and failure of, of, of government and officials have to take responsibility. So until we can see that clearly, you know, I think it's hard to, you know, the, you know to have a proper uh, supervisory system. All right. I have an email here from Colin, and then uh, he says uh, accountability is unknown in Hong Kong. And uh, when he ta- when he, he goes on to talk about these uh, construction projects, he says uh, when tragedy occurs, people fuss, but uh, those responsible those responsible never have to worry. And uh, that's a message is from Colin. Um, so, so um, Mr. Lai, I mean, what should the I mean, what can the government do to? Uh, uh, to respond to views like this uh, from Colin, maybe? Well, yeah, to align the, well, to have proper accountability, uh, I think there are two, two, two ways to go. One is that the government is clear that, you know, uh, they have uh, 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 departments, officials supervising uh, the NTRC. In fact, they have uh, quite a few officials you know, sitting on the board of NTRC. The government made clear that if there is any failure on the part of NTRC, these officials have to take responsibility. Right? At the moment, it's not. At the moment, when there's problem with NTRC, the government would come out and say that, okay, this is NTRC problem, we'll investigate and so on, as if they are third party. I mean, it got to be known that they're not third party. You know, they are their part and parcel of the entire system. That's one. Now, that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is actually they have to divest from MTRC. Um, you know, get down, well, either get out of MTRC or get down the, the shares to below 50% so that MTRC will become a proper uh, a privately owned or publicly owned, you know, as they're listed, uh, company. Um, and then uh, the government have a clear supervisory responsibility from one of its departments, like high risk departments. Mm. Um, and uh, then, then they can build, you know, public confidence that uh, uh, NTRC can be properly supervised because they are not linked 
to government. Well, but how about just so leaving I the financial? Uh, how, how about just leaving the financial risk with the MTR? If the MTR is the manager, make sure that they have the financial risk of the two billion lost goes in their account. I mean, that will get them to be uh, more focused, wouldn't it? Well, contractually, yes, but ultimately, you need. Even if you have a proper contract, you need people to exercise those contractual clauses. Like, you, someone has to decide, okay, whether you, just like, you know, in the past, in, in these backup projects, you know, the government officials have to decide whether to, to take up those contractual clauses to sue NTRC or not. Mm. You know, this is an official decision. This is a government decision. So even though you have a tight contract, it doesn't mean that the contractual clauses will be fully exercised. And that exactly goes to the point of accountability voiced by uh, you know, our, our, our audience. Right. Oh, all right, uh, Mr. Lai, we have to take a break for the news very soon. And thanks again for joining us this morning. That's a veteran senior engineer, Albert Lai. And Mr. Chan will continue our discussion after the news mm. in around uh, two minutes' time. Now, if you want to share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And here's a quick look at the weather. Sunny intervals and a few showers. Very hot during the day. The top temperature will be around 33 degrees in the urban areas. Winds moderate southerlies. And uh, the thunderstorm warning is currently in force. Right now it's 27 degrees, relative humidity 92%. It's now 9.30. With a new summary, here's Tom Warden. To celebrate the 26th anniversary of the city's return to the mainland, around 1,500 restaurants will offer a 29% discount on selected menu items tomorrow. In a nod to July 1st, the discounted prices will be 71% of the usual cost. Major chains like McDonald's, Pizza Hut and Maxim's are on the list. Protests have continued in French cities for a third night following the fatal shooting of a teenager by a policeman at a traffic stop in a suburb of Paris on Tuesday. Tens of thousands of officers are on the streets, and transport services in some areas closed down early for safety reasons. And the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that it isn't permissible to consider a person's race in deciding on university admissions, reversing decades-old policies of affirmative action, on campuses. I'll have no more news at 10 o'clock. There are reasons to be happy everywhere you go in Hong Kong. Enjoy local and global cuisines and have fun along the way. Get immersed in the world of light, shows and carnivals. Joyful moments for all. Want to explore special bazaars? They are just around the corner. Pop culture? Victoria Harbour is our stage. Happiness is all around you. Come and join us. Taste the joy, share the fun. Happy Hong Kong! It's important to use the $2 scheme lawfully. Beneficiaries include Hong Kong residents aged 60 or above and eligible persons with disabilities. Those aged 60 to 64 must use a JOYU card or adult fares will be charged. Using the scheme while ineligible is an offence. Offenders are liable to a maximum penalty of imprisonment upon conviction. Unlawful use of the $2 scheme is an offence. Don't defy the law.
Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Friday morning with Paul Zimmerman and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Chartered Building Surveyor Raymond Chan. Now, Mr. Chan, um, before the news, uh, we talked about how um, the $40,000 fine is uh, uh, its uh, really not enough and there should be more um, done, like, for example, in prosecution, as suggested by uh, Michael Tin. Um, do you have any idea how this fine uh, compares to other similar cases in the past? Have there been other similar uh, cases? I think um, comparing to other cases, it is really uh, too large. Mm. And uh, also, we have to see the damages uh, to especially the society and, uh, and, and our legal system. Um, basically, uh, I've mentioned that uh, uh, the contractor uh, doesn't have the uh, basic integrity. Uh, they should uh, voice out any difficulties. They're not, they're not covering them up. And uh, really, uh, that is something very basic. And uh, if they've done something carelessly, uh, maybe that is uh, a way to uh, give them a, a lighter punishment. But uh, it seems that they are doing it not by accident, yeah, doing it intentionally. And uh, uh, that is serious, I would say. Is, is, that, is, that, is that the case here? Is it a latent intention or is it uh, they have subcontractors or subcontractors of subcontractors who, uh, who messed this up? Where, uh, where, where did, it go, did it go wrong? Maybe they have subcontractors, but of course uh, the main contractors have the uh, overall duty and uh, it is uh, the main contractor who really finally signed all those forms, and uh, he personally, even the the officer secretary, who personally uh, uh, liable mm. uh, for that. And do do we have a problem in Hong Kong? I mean, uh, I've been here for a while in Hong Kong. Uh, I remember in the IFC we had uh, uh, piles that were much shorter because they had changed the uh, the measurement tape. Um, anyway, we have a bit of a tradition of trying to cut corners and, and being naughty in the uh, construction industry. I mean, do we have a, a systemic problem that we still haven't got our hands around? Uh, if you notice that um, most of those uh, big scandals uh, come around with uh, government projects, basically. Uh, it started with the housing in, in maybe 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and um, uh, later, the housing improved, and uh, it seems that uh, they are quite properly managed now. But uh, all those civil work, now it comes to MTR work, uh, they are those big government projects. And uh, I, I would say that the buildings department uh, uh, do a better job. They, it seems that uh, the uh, private projects are, are, are to a lesser extent. Maybe they're smaller, but uh, uh, it doesn't seem to be that widespread spirit that um, things uh, got covered up and uh, some uh, intentionally uh, uh, mischief is to be kept done. Uh, not that much. Uh, we can uh, relate to maybe a recent, uh, a recent uh, uh, case that happened with the real uh, world. Uh, in the, the starting project. Mm. They demolished the whole building after they found uh, defects in, in their work. 
I, I think uh, that is a, a very good example between <laughs> those uh, private projects and those uh, public projects. All right. I have an email here from Micah, who is uh, commenting on our discussion topic this morning about uh, construction projects gone wrong. And uh, he see, he says, uh, it seems this is a territory-wide problem. New construction in Yunlong after completion, the entire building leaks like you are in a shower. The main contractor was given opportunity to repair, after which the situation is as bad as ever. And then he goes on to say that uh, Singapore is looking more attractive daily. And uh, that email is from Mike. Um, Mr. Chan, what, what do you think? I'm not really sure which uh, which uh, new construction he's talking about in well, Yunlong. He's actually. referring to Yunlong leakage, yeah. yeah okay. So uh, we have a problem. I, 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 do you I agree get- with him? I don't, I don't know what, which what project he's referring to. But we, we, as, as you said, I mean, these, these government projects tend to be the ones where uh, we have uh, more failures in supervision. I mean, the, the, the motivation on private company to make sure that the contractors don't mess up is, uh, is much sharper. So the project management seems to be sharper. Government projects seem to be a problem, is it? Uh, it seems so. Uh, you see all those happening around us and all those uh, historic records, and it seems to be the case. Right. And uh, Mr. Chan, so, so what do you think, uh, I mean, do you have a response to our earlier comment from our listener about uh, 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 construction problems in Yunlong, about the leakage problem? He's saying, it's he's suggesting, Yoho Park, I think it was. Yeah. And I think he's suggesting that uh, there's a territory-wide problem. Do you agree there's a territory-wide problem when it comes to construction, construction projects gone wrong? Um, I, I think that for, for uh, government projects, uh, the line of uh, uh, responsibility and also uh, the line of uh, uh, counter checking uh, uh, mechanism uh, is not adequate. Hmm. This is the overhaul. Right. And in Hong Kong, you also had a problem. Right? I mean, we had this, uh, this dormitory uh, at, uh, in Pok Falam where there were holes found in the concrete and the walls and the pillars. I mean, again, is that, is that a general attempt by contractors in Hong Kong to, uh, to undercut? Is it a management problem uh, at, uh, at Hong Kong? You? Where, where is this? Uh, what's the background here? Uh, that thing is uh, uh, in its uh, nature is... Uh, much minor uh, in nature because uh, the honeycombing is just uh, uh, when they do the concrete thing, they uh, doesn't didn't uh, do adequate vibration and to fill up the gas. Now that is not something that they intentionally do. Uh, so the, the I think the nature is quite different from what we mentioned in in our NPR case here. Right. And, but when we talk when we talk about this uh, HKU dormitory, I mean, how rare are these uh, defects you're talking about? I mean, does it well, happen uh, all the time? This sometimes happens, uh, and uh, uh, most of the case, well, in most cases, we we'll uh, discover it after we uh, done the uh, done the uh, concreting and removing all the uh, scaffolding and seeing the the actual face of the. Uh, completed work. And uh, if it's not serious that uh, we just uh, patch it up, uh, repair it properly, if it's serious, then they, we, we do it. And uh, that is, uh, there's some, sometimes it happens. Uh, 
of course, it is not desirable, but uh, sometimes it happens. Okay, so this is not a Hong Kong problem where we're worse than Singapore or other parts of the world. I mean, you have lack of supervision on our projects. Uh, it seems that the the the, uh, the has been discovered. Uh, 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 I don't know uh, whether the the, the contractor uh, discovered it first or, or by a third party. Uh, but, uh, it eventually has been discovered. It is uh, not something that they, they can really cover up. But do you? Have, but just in general, what, what do you feel? I mean, you've uh, you know uh, construction standards around the world, um, and uh, compared it uh, with uh, Hong Kong, where are we? Are we uh, are we well ahead of everybody else around the world, or are we uh, are we lagging? So, in in terms of quality, uh, Hong Kong is uh, quite uh, high up in, in the in the standard at least, and uh, we we are not bad, and uh, because. Uh, uh, Things here are expensive, and uh, that is uh, expensive uh, mistakes uh, if they make. Uh, the, the, the labor is expensive. Everything is expensive here. Uh, so, and also the standard here is, is that also the, the workers now are quite uh, well trained. Uh, so then, most of them uh, really know the basic duty uh, in compared to uh, a lot of uh, those. Uh, uh, Maybe the, the, the third tier country, uh, we, we are quite good in here. So tell you what we have to improve is, is supervision of government projects. Any specific recommendations you have to government? If you were in charge, what would you change? I think we should uh, involve uh, more uh, third party or independent uh, uh, professionals. Um, basically, we cannot... Uh, have too much trust uh, on the uh, designing team, the construction team, and uh, although they may be trustworthy, but uh, we should not be that passive. We should uh, have, say, for example, uh, the cost control. Uh, I'm a surveyor uh, by profession, and I know that uh, the cost, the, the costing uh, of the uh, highway uh, construction work. It's mostly done by quantity surveyors. But uh, the costing of the civil uh, work is done by engineers. And uh, engineers is basically trained for, for design. And uh, the costing uh, should not be uh, their expertise. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not please, uh, involve a, a quantity surveyor uh, to do it? And... Uh, also, uh, a lot of their, uh, their design uh, has to be uh, specified in terms of uh, how they do it. And uh, the working procedures uh, has to be counter-checked by a third party. So you design something, especially if it's a complicated uh, civil structure, uh, uh, on uh, a legal design, mostly, you uh, need to have a, 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 a detailed thinking of how to work it out. And uh, you work it out, you think that it works. But uh, we, I think, obviously, we need a third party to see uh, whether it is uh, really the case. 
So, so uh, what do you mean? Is it like a quality control by uh, by surveyors and make sure that they are on a separate contract to police projects, large projects, and they yeah. have a right of investigation, they have a right to walk around and yeah, to monitor all documents? Yeah, we need to control the cost, we need to control the, the, the procedures uh, and also the, the uh, QC uh, way to so the way to achieve uh, quality. Uh, all this has to be uh, done by uh, a third party to really see that they actually work. All right. Well, let's see whether that recommendation can be adopted by MTR and government. Uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, input from you today. All right, Mr. Chan, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Chartered Building Surveyor Raymond Chan. It's now 9.45 and in a moment we'll take a look at how South Koreans have become younger under a new age counting law. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, I'm Michael Wong, the Deputy Financial Secretary. For the past 95 years, our THK has shared a common journey with Hong Kong people. Going forward, I trust that our THK will continue to provide Hong Kong with more programs that are rich in content and that can move our hearts. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned, Stay tuned. with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. South Koreans have become a year or two younger after a new law standardizing the way the government accounts age took effect earlier this week. To tell us more about it, we are now joined on the line by Choi Jong-yoon, a staff reporter for the digital innovation team at the Korea Herald. Good morning, Jong-yoon. Good morning, guys. Thanks for joining us on the program and congratulations on being younger. Yeah. How about me? <laughs> Thank you. I feel great. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a good thing. <laughs> so, Jung Yun, um, yes. can you tell us what this new age counting law is about and give us more detail? Yes. Yeah, sure. So, as you guys know, there was this Korean age that is a very unique system in Korea. So... Before this new system was adopted, a person is considered one-year-old at birth. So when you are born, you are born as a one-year-old. Mm. So the time you spent uh, spend in your mother's womb is counted as the first year of life. But that's only so nine everyone months. Everyone grows a year older. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Please continue. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, no problem. So everyone grows a year older at the turn of the calendar year together. So regardless of the actual date of birth, um, you if you're born in December 31st, you turn two years old a day later. Hmm. Wow. Well, so, so, so that's an interesting system. Has that been, that's always been like that? Or was it like a, a government administration uh, kind of like keeping life, life easy? Uh, no, this uh, this um, system of age counting has been in South Korea for a very long time. So this is like this East Asian uh, age counting system, uh, which Japan and China and North Korea also had. But Japan dropped the method in 1950 and China during Cultural Revolu- Revolution era and North Korea in 1980. So it was only South Korea who was uh, maintaining this age system. But with Yoon Seok-yeol president in administration, we are changing the system 
today, like in 2023, yesterday. All right. So, so why was there a need to change it in the in the first place? So, you know, like age is a very important feature in Korean society as age decides how you are called by someone or, you know, uh, we have like social hierarchy that you respect the elderly. But because we have a very unique and different age system compared to other international uh, communities, uh, standardizing ages um, uh, will reduce various confusions and disputes. And that's why we've uh, come to this uh, new system. Right. Well, what are some of the confusions and disputes you're talking about? I mean, before the so, change? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, as uh, the world is getting bigger, we are, you know, communicating with other uh, global people. And because, you know, we always encounter people and say, like, how old are you? And there is a confusion there. Um, also, there are some legislations that take place the international age in Korea, but there are some parts where Korean age is also uh, insistent. So there were kind of mixes in the society. And does this... Um, um, but mm-hmm. Yes. No, no, please continue. Um, but this, uh, even though the legislation has changed since Wednesday, there are still some parts that remain with the old Korean age system, if you guys uh, have heard of this part. No, tell us. Right. Are you talking about the, uh, uh, so, the uh, drinking age? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the legal drinking yeah, age? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the drinking age, the military, the going to elementary school and everything. Right. So, so what does this uh, new law mean then? I mean, for, for people, um, like for, for uh, the legal drinking age, for uh, the age of consent, and yeah. So, um, you know, as I previously said, the age is very important um, because we have these um, uh, callings that we call. Like, we don't call uh, Paul. We call, like, Oppa or Tongseng or Anni. We call them by the age system not by their name so when we encounter new people people tend to ask age the first it's kind of the first question we ask um in that time we are now going by the international age not the age that we were born mm-hmm. so this is interesting that korea has been so slow on this one uh, maybe where where did korea south korea differ from north korea japan and and china in in adopting mm-hmm. the kind of international age system and and holding on to this traditional age system why why has it taken so long well because it's um due to the cost that might happen if we mix all the systems um for instance you know for the international age people start their semester in september but in korea we start school in march because everyone turned your uh, older on january 1st together and people who are born in that year all go to the uh, all become insane grade uh, starting the school in March. Sure. So if we change the international system, yeah. So, but then you just need a different rule. I mean, it seems to me that there is an, there is something else here that is holding that had hold South Korea back for such a long time. Just it can it can't just yeah. be uh, a cost. It seems to be a hold on to some tradition, is it? Yeah, it's mostly traditions and how people are kind of receiving this kind of cultural uh, background. 
Um, but when we were trying to, when there were um, opinions uh, that people were talking about, like, oh, we have to change this uh, in order to follow the international society, uh, those costs and all the changes um, that might confuse all the society was a big uh, reason that held back South Korea from joining the international age system, I think. Right. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, this uh, new law was uh, implemented mm -hmm. on Wednesday. I mean, so how's it been going? I mean, have there been any confusion over the change? Um, there hasn't been confusions um, that people feel right away. But um, the reactions were quite interesting as those um, there were some people really welcoming this new system, uh, saying like they feel they got a year or two younger and they want to live <laughs> their life to the fullest. Like they have a second chance. <laughs> All right. So, so you, you got younger too? I mean, uh, you're a year younger or yeah, two years younger? I, I got two years younger because wow. uh, my birthday is coming in August. So... I feel like I have a second chance too. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, you mentioned about uh, um, legal drinking age in Korea. Uh, it's 19, right? And the, the age of consent is 20. So um, in practice, I mean, what, is it, what's this, what does the new law mean in practice for, for people? For example, if Paul was 19, he, before the law changed, he could go could for drink. a drink. But and now does it mean he can't drink? Oh, uh, no, no, no. The, uh, that could be confusing for you guys. But, it would be. Um, yeah. You know how I told you that? Yeah, I told you, like, um, so everyone gets a year older on January 1st, right? So uh -huh. uh, rather than um, counting people's age by their birthday, we kind of, if you're born in, I don't know, nine age. So that's the uh, standard. So... Um, not considering your birthday, the age restrictions on buying of alcohol or tobacco will continue to use the old formula. So that means that if you're born in 2004 right now or earlier, you can buy age-restricted products uh, regardless of your birthday. Okay, so they changed the tobacco and alcohol laws uh, as well? No, no. These are the ones that are still remaining right. uh, with the old Korean age system. Mm -hmm. All right. But what about uh, retirement age? Oh, the retirement age is changing um, regarding uh, and with the new system, for example, um, we have this uh, free transport fee that's provided for seniors. Um, but that's going to change. So if you are not 65 by interna international age, you cannot get trans uh, free transport fee. So it's like taking back uh, the free ride that you were given. But Oops. now you have to, I don't know, be a few months older to get that back for some old uh, elderly. That's a group of unhappy people then? Yeah. <laughs> So what's been the response to that? There, there must be many like uh, elderly people who have been receiving these uh, transport subsidies. Uh, so there are some uh, negative, you know, uh, people uh, because some might feel that, you know, they've been getting free fees, but because they don't uh, now, from now on, there were some uh, complaints about these, but those kind of voices weren't uh, dealt a lot in Korean media, but more of the focus was changing this system and how the, how the government is going to implement it in people's daily lives. 
And how about retirement age? Uh, are there people that expected to go on retirement and on had booked their holidays and now they have to work two years longer? I mean, is that, does that happen? Oh, no, no, no. That, that, uh, that's still not you know, decided as a moment. I think Korea is kind of embracing this new change. Uh, people are just, uh, some are just very happy. The public are just very happy that they got year two years younger. But I think it's the government that needs to deal with all the complicated um, uh, process that needs to be uh, implemented uh, further. Right, and after this law change, uh, do do people have to uh, renew their um, ID cards or you know passport the information? Oh, well, they, they already state their international. Uh, oh age. yeah, maybe. Mm, the ID card doesn't have to change because we don't have our uh, age uh, stated in the ID card. We oh. have birth of date. Okay. So mm. yeah, that that doesn't have to change. I think it's gonna be uh, remain the same. Okay. So birth of date is international age. So anything that had already birth of date included uh, doesn't have to change. Right, right, right. So, so who's the uh, who's happy? I mean, is there a big party in the street in Korea? <laughs> if you see social media, um, uh -huh. young people, especially um, people who just you know, like age is considered like a social. Um, Standard, like if you turn 30, people get sad because they're not in their 20s anymore. So uh, what I feel is that people who came back to the 20s are the happiest people. People who came back to 30s, they are happy, you know, okay. going on. Are there any popular memes? I mean, are people, uh, are there jokes going around on the Internet? I mean, uh, what is the, uh, are, are being jovial about this? Uh, there are a lot of jokes, um, especially, uh, especially like expats that are living in Korea. They're making some funny memes, uh, for example, like uh, a grandpa turning into a very young boy. Uh, oh, he wishes. Midnight and Wednesday. Yeah, those kind of memes happen. Um, people are just kind of... Um, thrilled but i don't think people are kind of feeling it though you know um with uh even talking to my friends because uh the military doesn't change because the alcohol or drinking the or tobacco age doesn't change the school uh, administration age is still remaining people are not quite quite feeling it mm -hmm. that i think that's the sentiment that i'm getting all mm. right uh jung yoon and we have to leave it here for now thanks again cool. for joining us this morning that's uh, Cho jung yoon a staff reporter for the digital innovation team at the korea herald many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and to our guest presenter paul zimmerman and producer Raphael. we're all a year younger yes <laughs> Danny Gittings and Mike Rouse will be back with another episode of Back Chat on Monday.